Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are about to enter Vault 13. Once your transport vehicle arrives at the facility, please continue moving forward at all times. Do not touch anyone or anything. And no smoking. Please enjoy your stay in Vault 13. Welcome to the Stuff of Life. I'm your host, Julie Douglas. In the last episode, we looked at desperation, and in this episode, we walk through the grotesquerie of fear that drives desperation. To that end, we step into three vaults of the imagination, all constructed from myth, and all dealing with one of our worst fears, death. First of all, it contains an archive of a PSYOPs mission in Vietnam that used deeply held cultural beliefs about the dead to wage psychological warfare. The second vault, a haunted attraction, contains all the ingredients to tap into a kind of ancient cave of fears. How's it going, Holly? Good. Those twisty rooms in the vortex room, they genuinely jack with your equilibrium. You feel like your body's being, like there's a force that's working on your body. I feel like I'm falling to the left or right. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking primal mythology here. The idea of a thinning of the veil between two worlds, life and death. It's fascinating if you think about it. Each Halloween, we put on a pageant of the macabre. We pay homage to ghosts ghouls and the grim reaper we even go so far as to submit ourselves to a haunted house walking through a maze of horrors and mock sacrifices of our souls there's a lot of elements tied to going into a haunted house in many ways it's a rite of passage it's the hero's journey it's the going into the unknown and showing that you're grown up and that you're you're an adult and you're ready to take these things on In the third vault, we enter the immersive theater production, Doomocracy. You may agree with me that what people find most frightening these days is politics. 
But first, let's talk about the sound of fear, the wonderland of symbols embedded in the simplest of tones. What does this sound mean to you? Could be a leaky faucet, but dig a bit deeper. Think of a water droplet separated from its source, isolated, dripping into an empty bowl, displaced apart from the whole. In these quiet moments, sound is amplified, and so is emotion, because each noise we've ever heard has been coded into our brains as a symbol of some larger pattern, a pattern that tells a story. Now, with that in mind, imagine it's 1970, and you're a Viet Cong soldier making your way through the jungle in the middle of the night when you hear this. What you're hearing is essentially a haunted house in the middle of a jungle. The special operations group in the U.S. Army um, wired up a, uh, a, a jungle area outside of a, an American firebase with, um, with sound speakers. And one night, it was in the early 1970, uh, in the dead of night, began playing this kind of supernatural ghost show over these speakers. And the idea was to terrify um, the Viet Cong uh, infiltrators that had uh, taken up positions in that forest. I'm uh, Nathan Mallett, founder and editor of MilitaryHistoryNow.com. Military History Now catalogs the strange, offbeat, and lesser-known aspects of military history, all the stuff that really fascinates Nathan, like ghost tape number 10 from the Vietnam War. The grunts are the wheels of the green machine, the name they give the military. The green machine is comic book America with flesh on it. Today is the day for you to let people... A wonderland of heroes and slogans. In the green machine, a grunt doesn't seek out the enemy. He goes hunting. The green machine plays games like Wandering Soul. Wandering Soul is a tape that has been put out by the Psychological Operations Battalion and Benoit is used by the operating divisions and separate brigades to broadcast a rally appeal to the Viet Cong. The tape itself is a rather weird one with the, the funeral dirge music in the background and a father talking to his children saying he's died on the battlefield and he's trying to encourage his comrades to rally and join the it kind of reminded me of an episode of Gilligan's Island. Um, do you remember the old TV series from the 60s? Uh, there were some spies that wanted to chase the, uh, the castaways off the island. So they uh, dressed up in white sheets and tried to make the, uh, the, the castaways believe that the island was haunted. Somebody, I think, in maybe the Pentagon saw that episode and thought this might work in Vietnam. But this wasn't the first time the U.S. military engaged in the theater of war. They did borrow uh, some of this idea, this, these types of uh, tactics, though, from a, from a group in World War II known as the Ghost Army. They used a lot of sort of audio equipment and loudspeakers to fool the Germans post-Normandy invasion Europe. So they would... Uh, They'd play over the loudspeakers um, the sound of like 100 Sherman tanks rolling through the forest. So the Germans opposite the American lines uh, would think that there was a massive sort of armored attack waiting to be unleashed on them, and they would 
evacuate the area. And in reality, the, the American lines were, you know, probably thinly defended. And so I think uh, ghost tape was kind of borrowing from that sort of special operations, psychological operations uh, campaign of the Second World War. And they brought it to Vietnam, but they, they sort of, they added a sort of a supernatural element to it. In Ghost Tape Number 10, American forces were trying to tap into deeply held cultural ideas about life and death. The Vietnamese people worship the souls of their ancestors, but this wandering soul is very different. It was conceived in an echo chamber by the U.S. Army and is broadcast from a helicopter over jungle. Some of the sounds are of, supposed, I guess, presumably Viet Cong fighters who'd been killed earlier. And they were sort of warning their comrades, you know, you're in a lost cause. This is terrible. Don't let what happened to, to me happen to you. Go home while you still can. And then interlaced with all of this is the sounds of children calling for their, their daddies and, and, and wives or widows weeping and just sort of gongs banging and things like that. But it's all sort of echoey and swirly and kind of just otherworldly. Even if the uh, Viet Cong didn't believe that there were in fact ghosts in the jungle with them, even if they realized they were sort of this was part of a kind of a supernatural horror show being put on by the Americans, just the sounds and the message—it's just—it's just more than a little eerie. So I think even if it didn't have the full impact, I think it was probably um, unpleasant to be sitting, you know, in the dark listening to these sounds. Here's the thing. It was late in the war, and the U.S. was up for trying anything that might move the needle in their favor. It was during the period when they were drawing their forces back out of Southeast Asia, so they were having to do you know, more with less, and they were trying to hand the fighting over to the Vietnamese. It was uh, a big part of the U.S. effort in Southeast Asia. Um, and I think it might have been sort of a, 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 a sort of an outgrowth of that idea of trying to win your friends, you know, win over the hearts and minds of the South Vietnamese, but also try to demoralize uh, the enemy. Um, that was a big part of, of the American effort in Southeast Asia. How effective was the operation? It's hard to know. Some accounts say that ghost tape number 10 drew aggressive fire rather than retreat. And then there's the nearby villagers who woke to a chilling cacophony of music and voices. Not exactly something that would win hearts and minds. We think we know about war and fear. And then a footnote to history, like ghost tape number 10, surfaces on a site like Military History Now, and it reframes everything. I just wanted to tell the stories about military history that don't get reported. With all the real and imagined terrors in this world, why would we willingly seek out opportunities to walk into fear, to knowingly give ourselves over to psychological warfare? Yep, we are talking about a haunted house. Well, no. These walls talk to me. Ah, yes. There are rambling demons in these walls. And very soon, they'll be talking to you. Most people come to a haunted house to be scared, to be entertained, to have a great time. But there are people who get the deeper meanings. They get the roots of things, the roots of Halloween. They can see the references. That's Ben Armstrong of Netherworld in Atlanta, Georgia. 
It's one of the most popular Halloween attractions in the city, in part because of Ben's commitment to the idea of the hero's journey. Something very exciting to go into a scary environment, to almost be struggling with a savage beast in a way, to have that adrenaline surge, but yet to know that you're safe. Every day we suffer bursts of adrenaline from anger in our cubicle, from traffic on the road, and our entire way we deal with this is repression. We just repress it because in our culture, it's not appropriate to scream and yell and go crazy, but you can come to a place like a haunted attraction and you can let it all out. You can scream and yell and it's such a release. It's so much fun. And I often think the haunted house actors are playing the role of like a predator. It's like you're a hunter, you know? So they have the fun of stalking prey, if you will, stalking the patrons and scaring them. So it's all very deep when you come, when you really think about it. One of Netherworld's big inspirations is H.P. Lovecraft, the early science fiction and horror author who plumbed the depths of primordial ancient evil, the kind of evil that's deeper and more abiding than humans can ever understand. I felt a wave of fright as tangible as a draft from the tomb. It seemed somehow like, like the spawn of another dimension, like something only partly of mankind, linked to black gulfs beyond all spheres of force and matter, space and time. To that end, every square inch of Netherworld is layered in objects that recall this kind of existential horror. It's like a museum of nightmare images. And it's world-building at its finest. It preys on all the senses, particularly the vibrations that wend their way into your ears. The cool thing about a haunted house that a haunted house has over other forms of entertainment is it has the tactile element, because you're walking through it. And it also has smell, because uh, you, you don't really use taste much, but you know, uh, but by far it's visual and sound. I mean, those are the elements. You, you see the monster, and you hear the monster. And if the monster has a deep, guttural, bassy sound indicating size, sometimes you don't see the monster, you just hear it, and the sound matters. So those two things, they really tie together to create the complete package to put someone into a new world. We have a scene in the attraction where you see a ghost projected on a, it's basically a screen that picks out the light so you can see right through it. You see the back wall. And as the ghost comes out, you know, the floorboards start cracking and snapping and you hear the actual physical sounds of real wood moving. But there's a rumbling. And what happens, we have a thing called a butt kicker. And a butt kicker is a type of speaker. What it, what it is, it's a huge metal enclosure with a magnet that moves, much like a speaker does, you know, in a cone. But it actually creates a physical vibration. So the entire floor vibrates to the sound. So you hear the sound of this roaring and the floor is shaking. And you're watching the, you know, the things crack and move towards you. And you're seeing this ghost. And the whole thing is, is very unreal. And it's taking sound and actually making it physical. You feel that. Ben takes us on a tour of the attraction so we can experience the assault on our senses for ourselves. 
Uh, now we're walking through the spider room with the spider sacks hanging down. Oh, I'm so glad the lights are still on a little bit. Oh, goodness gracious. They're gonna grab you, watch out. Uh, going through a little three foot wide opening. Fog. And just when you think the worst is past you, that you've cleared the big hurdle, another round of sound waves hits you. Actors, they sometimes have step pads that they can step on to create a sound. <laughs> Unexpected air blast. Every part of the attraction is carefully orchestrated, down to the moment that you enter the parking lot and you queue up in line. This is when an actor known as a slider comes careening toward you, sliding on his knees, dragging metal-tipped gloves over the concrete to create a trail of sparks. You come here, you hear screams in the parking lot of people being scared. You hear the sliders scraping steel on the concrete. But you also hear happy fun. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. We actually choose to make the outdoor more festive in feeling. Um, we've done everything over the years to make it sound creepy, but what we like better now is we play like Halloween songs, if you will. You know, uh, Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, or, you know, the Monster Mash, or just all kinds of kooky, fun songs to create a more of a festival street atmosphere. Because a good haunted attraction rides the razor's edge between Halloween on one side and horror on the other. Halloween is all the good, fun, happy moments, you know. Too far into Halloween, it becomes too kitty. Too far into horror, horror is the thrills, excitement. But too far into horror, it becomes too morbid, too nasty. So a good attraction, in my mind, rides the middle line. It is the monster match. The zombies were having fun. But then, the closer you get into the interior of the attraction, the more the sound becomes real. I'm about to go into this. As we like to call it, it's the click, click, click of the roller coaster. Going up, preparing you for the drop. Once you get into this room, it's darker, it's more moody. You know, there's different announcements, you're seeing creepy things. But the fun part is stopping. Now, you're about to go. You're about to enter that ancient cave. You're about to face your fears. Ben also trains the staff in group psychology. They talk about archetypes and the behaviors that go along with them. So, you know that stoic haunted house expert? Well, that person is usually looking for minute details, while the hero bows up. But under the cover of darkness and terror, that hero may just turn out to be the person who sacrifices someone from the group, shoving them out in front to save himself. They also talk about things like fear of clowns, fear of darkness, the idea that the deepest fear, the root fear, is the unknown. Why are you afraid of darkness? Because you don't know what's in it. Why are you afraid of clowns? Because you don't know the intention. The person is masked. It's fear of the unknown. What's out there? There's something out there I don't understand. And this way, Netherworld creates a physical maze to work out the mental ones that we run through in our minds when it comes to the unknown. But what happens when you enter a haunted house that seizes on fears that are all too real? 
In a world of endless apocalyptic realities. Speak out on behalf of the rule of law. Of nightmares masquerading as salvation. This fall, one event will perfectly capture the mood of our current collective imagination. They're bringing drugs. Creative Time and artist Pedro Reyes invite you to experience the haunted house that already exists in our minds. No child will be left behind. Democracy, a house of political horror. That's from Democracy, an immersive theater play put on in the fall of 2016 by artist Pedro Reyes. We were working working in the Brooklyn Army Terminal, which is a massive concrete structure that was built for the First World War. And this was a place where bombs and other kind of uh, weapons were made uh, for the First and Second World Wars. And, and it still feels like a military zone. As soon as audience members showed up at the terminal, they were placed front and center in the play's action. You climbed in this van, in this van, and, uh, and the chauffeur won't talk to you. He's playing right-wing white supremacist uh, radio. Then suddenly this van is stopped by the police. This is an army terminal. We don't give tours here. Unless you have a government-issued ID, you and everybody in this vehicle is now trespassing. I'm going to have to detain everybody in this vehicle. Pull your vehicle to the right. Right now. But you're not sure whether this is part of the play or not, because they tell you that this was a restricted area, that the driver shouldn't be going in this part, that this is a, a, a military zone, etc. Hands where I can see him. All the way down. Hands on that rail and face the wall. Let's go. Where they're treated brutally by these actors, which are uh, dressed as riot police. Inside the buildings, warrens of rooms presented psychological minefields. And in one of them, the opioid epidemic taking hold in the U.S. was explored, with an actor begging for help. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I'm going to have to call security. Then she tries to persuade people from the audience to help her uh, to get pills from the doctor because the doctor won't give her any more pills. It's very curious because, you know, like the people in the audience were refusing to help her. The audience is also in character. So it, it, it was very interesting to, to see this psychological dynamic. In this way, democracy was very much a social experiment. The audience reflected our society's judgment of others and how we tend to regard addiction as a moral failure. Another social experiment occurred in a boardroom of a fictitious company, and it required participants to either save the jobs of 5,000 people or fire them and claim a $1 million bonus package. And if you decide to take the package, you take the lift. If you take the lift, you arrive and you are a guest at a very fancy party. 
And if you decided to save the workers, you take up the stairs and and then you're the help. You're given an apron and you have to uh, serve drinks to the other guests. In a schoolroom of the future, Reyes envisioned a classroom with no teachers, just screens with educational avatar who lectured a kind of revisionist history. And in another room, there was a future where there were no parks, just a headset outfitted in virtual reality. And you see the virtual park in, in, in through this VR set uh, because there's no more parks in the future. And, and this is something that Trump is doing, you know, like Trump is, Trump wants to turn natural parks into places where they can be drilling or they can be fracking or whatever. That seemed like a sci-fi uh, scenario uh, three months ago and now it's happening. Today I'm signing a new executive order to end another egregious abuse of federal power. The order would review the status of 24 national monuments created over the past 20 years. Major sites in the West, including the Bears Ears National Monument in Utah, are under review. The half-million-hectare protected area is home to Native Americans who oppose possible changes. Reyes says that all of these issues are political. It's the parsing out of what's private, public, and what's a shared world, the world that we all get to decide we want to live in. And in part, that was the impetus for democracy. Democracy is a kind of very uh, fragile process. When countries are uh, becoming less rich, people tend to become more conservative. They want an easy fix it's a, it's a psychological phenomenon that you want to have the figure of a father who's going to come and, uh, and, and fix things. That allows often for the arrival of a tyrant that will, uh, you know, like just take advantage of the situation and screw everybody. So that's what happened in the United States, what has happened in many other countries also. So it's a global phenomenon. Which leads to the one problem with democracy. As opposed to a haunted house where you exit and then you know that it's over. Here, you exit the haunted house and you're still in the middle of the horror house that, that, that is unfolding in front of our eyes every day. Democracy has disappeared in several other great nations. Not because the people of those nations disliked democracy, but because they had grown tired of unemployment and insecurity, of government confusion, government weakness. Finally, in desperation, they chose to sacrifice liberty. Ultimately, democracy is a reminder. Things don't change by itself, but you have to take part in the process. We in America know that our own democratic institutions can be preserved and made to work. But in order to preserve them, we need to act together to meet the problems of the nation boldly and to prove that the practical operation of democratic government is equal to the task of protecting the security of the people. My eight-year-old hates October. 
At every turn, she sees symbols of mortality. Skeletons, coffins, and mummies. And every few days, she tells me she doesn't want to die. And my heart breaks a little. Because there's nothing I can do to change the equation of existence. Instead, I try to explain that Halloween, haunted houses, horror movies, and even our worst fears repeated on nightly news broadcasts, those are just PSYOPs missions in reverse. I explain that we take this fear that wears us down and we confront it in its ultimate form, death. And in this way, we always find our way back to life. No doubt that when I tell my daughter this, I'm also consoling myself. Telling myself that staring down the grotesqueries of life is part of the hero's journey. To come out on the other side, battled and bruised, but better for it. In the next episode, we'll look at how we are all inextricably wired together. We're all connected in a a very deep way, and yet we all forget that. Thank you to Nathan Mallett for walking us through the PSYOPs mission, Ghost Tape Number 10. You can find more of Nathan's research on military history now. Many thanks to Creative Time and Pedro Reyes for discussing democracy with us. You can see more of Pedro's work at pedroreyes.com. And thank you to Ben Armstrong for pulling back the curtain on the fear machine that is Netherworld. And to Holly Fry of Stuff You Missed in History Class, thank you for holding my hand through Netherworld. Stuff of Life is written and executive produced by me, Julie Douglas, and co-produced by Noel Brown. Editorial oversight is provided by contributing producer Dylan Fagan and head of production Jerry Rowland. Original music is by Noel Brown. This episode also featured music by Tristan McNeil, Aaron Grubbs, and Dylan Fagan. Additional music is by the band Breathers. You can find more of their music at breathers.bandcamp. This episode also features That Hopeful Future Is All I've Ever Known by Chris Zabrieski, and you can find more of his work at chriszabrieski.com. You can find The Stuff of Life on Facebook and Twitter, and you can email us at thestuffoflife at howstuffworks.com. Ah, behold the laundry room. Ah, the scariest part of it, the laundry room. (laughs) Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.